we come to the ministry of God's Word. And if you uh, open up your Bibles, read through John chapter 3, uh, right through to verse 21, uh, that would be enormously helpful. We have a guest preacher today, uh, but you'll have to wait and see who that is. In the meantime, pause uh, this screen and read from John chapter 3, verses 1 to 21, please. As we continue our time in the ministry of God's word, please join with me as we pray. Father God, we thank you that you love us, you speak to us uh, clearly through the truth of your word. Uh, we pray that you speak to our hearts, our minds, our souls uh, through the truth of your word. Uh, stitch these truths in by your spirit. Lead us in the way of repentance and faith. Uh, show us today our need for Jesus and uh, that we might be born again even. Uh, we ask for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm a man in authority. I'm well regarded in my community. I am considered noble and well educated. I'm a member of the Jewish ruling council. I am a Pharisee. That is my job title. Even Jesus called me a teacher of Israel. And my name? My name is Nicodemus. John's Gospel grabbed my attention. Chapter 3 is John's account of the time I met Jesus. So I thought I'd come out and share it with you personally, if you'll permit me. You'll need to use your imagination if you can. Uh, these were strange days. Verse 23 of chapter 2 records that Jesus was doing miracles and many were believing in him. Uh, there were even stories going around that he turned water into wine. Uh, that's some miracle, isn't it? And meeting Jesus wasn't easy. Uh, politically, it was risky. Uh, Jesus had upset the apple cart back in chapter 2 by causing a ruckus at the temple. And he even talked about destroying the temple and raising it again in three. And the establishment were not happy. But I was really curious about this Jesus, so I went to see him at night. And then what follows, it's all recorded there in chapter 3, is a bit like a question and answer um, moment. Question and answer time. Uh, it's a bit like your TV show. I think you have a TV show called Q&A on the ABC. And I would have been the religious expert of the day. I would have been on that panel. And I'll tell you, I, I would have given those atheists a thing or two, that's for sure. I'm the one with the answers. I'm supposed to have them. But when I meet Jesus, the tables are turned. The question on this day was simple. The question is, how do I become a member of God's family? At first, I tried to be polite and respectful. Verse 2, I said to Jesus, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. Do you, do you see it? If I'm the one who sees and knows the things of God, right? I, I decide that. But Jesus, in verse 3, turns it all upside down. Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. At this point, I'm really glad we're talking in private because if we were on national TV like Q&A, I would have been embarrassed. I had no clue as to what he's talking about. Born again? Born twice? 
Really? And so I asked this Jesus, verse 4, how can someone be born when he is old? Surely they cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born again. I mean, have fun with that Sunday school. I mean, those poor mums, if giving birth the first time wasn't bad enough. It's unbelievable. But Jesus didn't let up and says the same thing in a slightly different way. Look at verse 5. Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised by saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. Well, that just did my head in. I said to Jesus, look at verse 9. How can this be? And then Jesus comes back at me and says, Well, you're Israel's teacher, yet you do not understand these things. I tell you, we speak of what we know, we testify to what we've seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? He's tried to make it easier by talking about earthly things, and I still don't get it. What hope do I have of understanding heavenly things, things from above. And then verse 13, he chimes in again. He says that he is the, he is the one that's been there. He's the one that's from above. He's the one that's come from above. So if anyone should know, it's him. For sure, I did not understand what Jesus was on about. Verse 12 says very clearly, I did not believe. I thought I was a certainty for the kingdom of God. I was an expert on this kingdom of God stuff. I kept the law, the traditions, the rules, the ceremony. I'm right with God. I read the scriptures. I read it to people. I have good community standing. I have good works. I'm one of God's people, surely. And it's my birthright, isn't it? I mean, I, Nicodemus, if I'm not a kingdom, a member of this kingdom, what hope is there for anyone? Well, the one from heaven, this Jesus, he actually says, you've got to be born again. To be a member of God's family, you've got to be born twice. And if that Draycott chap, if he was actually here today, he would tell you about that time when he went to a youth leaders meeting as a young man. He was only about 16 at the time, just a young fella. He sat in this leaders group and the new minister had the gall to ask Adam if he was a Christian in front of all the other leaders, in front of everyone. This is the church he grew up in. He'd gone to Sunday school. He knew the Sunday school stories. Uh, he was the first kid baptised in the church for, for whatever that's worth. And he was just a leader wanting to be served. And this minister chalks up the nerve. Hey, are you a Christian, Adam? And Adam was really taken aback. I mean, would you be upset? And then Adam had to pause and wonder why he was upset at such a simple question. Uh, was it his pride welling up as he thought about his record, his standing, his self-justifying, his faith? And when he did, he remembers his answer had less to do with Jesus and forgiveness and more to do with self-reliance and merit and pride. And I, Nicodemus, that's me at the moment, I'd been there too. I'd been there too. 
So how do we become a member of God's family? Well, Jesus says there are two births. One is from the flesh. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Verse 6, we read that. Born human in nature, human birth produces people who belong to an earthly family of humanity, but, but not the children of God. No, only the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. Verse 6. It is God's Spirit that gives us birth in us to a new nature, a new driving force in our lives where we have fresh affections, fresh aims, a new start, a new life. And to be born this way is to be born to a divine and heavenly life. It's a new start and a new nature, verse 5, where we're born of the water and born of the Spirit. Verse 5 describes this Spirit as water for the soul. That's what it's like, just as water cleanses and purifies the body and takes away its filth. This too is what the Spirit of God does to our souls. Water that refreshes us and cools us on a hot day is not what the Spirit of God does to us, is what the Spirit of God does to our souls continually. Or verse 8, the Spirit of God is like the wind. It's all there in the Old Testament. If you, if you were reading Ezekiel 37 and the story of the dry bones, when the Spirit of God is like a, a great wind that breathes new life into new people as they're raised. Um, and I was Israel's teacher and I, I didn't see this. I didn't see it. I didn't see that even in the Old Testament we get these pictures where we need to be born again. But how? Well, again, there's another Old Testament picture that Jesus points me to in Numbers 21. Verse 14 of our text speaks to Numbers 21 when the snake plague brought death to Israel in the desert. And Moses did that thing with the bronze snake and the pole so that all who were afflicted, all who got bitten by the snakes might look and live. And so God used that as a means to save. It was a symbol, the snake is a symbol of curse, surely. A symbol of judgment, yes. But also, it became a symbol of God's grace and judgment and salvation. And it's still used as a symbol today. It's a symbol still used today. Just as surely as the bronze snake was lifted up, was not Jesus also lifted up? I, Nicodemus, I didn't know at the time that Jesus here is actually talking about his crucifixion, his death. And as I reflect on the cross now being lifted up with Jesus hanging on that brutal block of wood outside of t town that he came into the world, he became cursed. He bore the judgment that we might believe and have eternal life. And so just as surely as the Israelites looked and lived, we need to look at the cross of Christ crucified. We need to look at his death in our place. We need to put our guilt, our sin at the foot of the cross and accept his forgiveness that we might be spiritually reborn. Jesus' death brings eternal life to all who look to him and believe. And that is the place of our rebirth if we believe it. 
Mark 10.45 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. John 3.16, our text, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save it. And if we believe, we are not condemned. Whoever doesn't believe is condemned already because of their unbelief in God's Son. And so this belief isn't just head knowledge. It's a new life, remember. It's heart, a matter of the heart. Belief that shapes action and thoughts and uh, all that other stuff. I mean, think about a glass of water. I could be dehydrated. I could be absolutely parched. I could say that I believe this glass of water will quench my thirst and restore me physically. I could say that all I like. But simply believing that fact offers no benefit unless I apply it, unless I live it out. It doesn't make an ounce of difference to me unless I exercise my belief and drink from that water. And belief in Jesus is no different. Belief shapes behaviour and the heart. It brings forth a new life in Christ. Now, how did things work out for me, I, Nicodemus? Well, in John 7, verses 45 to 52, I defended Jesus at great personal cost. In John 19, verses 38 to 42, you can read about me helping Joseph of Arimathea bury our Lord's body. The New Testament record shows my response to Jesus very favourably, being counted as one of his number. One of his number, where the old life of law, the old life of tradition has gone and grace and truth has now come. Belief brings forth a new life in Christ. There is no getting away from that. I became a believer. But again, saying I believe, it's an easy thing to say, but James 2.19 tells us that even the demons believe and they shudder. Our question today, though, to use the language of Jesus, have you been born again? See, our question was, how do you become a member of God's kingdom, his family? How do you do that? I was challenged by that. Jesus' answer is you've got to be born again. So how? How can you be born again? Have you been born again? Uh, don't get put off by that question and think it's just the property of TV evangelists and whatever bad experience you might have had with the language. Don't be distracted by that. These are, these are Jesus' words. Have you been born again? There are two responses to that question. Have you been born again? You might reply, yes, with great joy, hallelujah. Or you might reply, how dare you? The first answer speaks of love and grace and joy and true belief. The other speaks of just pride, self-justification and sin. And it's a question that cuts to our hearts. And it spoke to my heart. I, Nicodemus, it spoke to my heart. Have you received new birth? Have you received a new start? 
Do you have this new life with Christ? And I believe, I know many of you have, praise God. But maybe you're not sure of it. Or maybe you are sure right now and you know right now that you want to be part of it. That you want to receive new birth in Christ. Look to the cross and see there God's great love for you. See that he loved you there at the cross as his wrath is turned aside, as the penalty for sin is borne, as our guilt is washed away by the blood of Jesus, as forgiveness is secured, as hope is guaranteed and eternal life is given. That's what it means to be born again. Don't think like I used to, that you can turn up on judgment day with your birth certificate or your status or your confirmation certificate or your good reputation. Don't say, look at me, God, look at what I know and look what I see because that's a route to hell. Look instead to Jesus and see his love and be born again to the new life our risen Lord and Saviour Christ has prepared for us.